Today on Roll for Insight, I'm sitting down with Critical Kunick. We discuss creating player characters, backgrounds, themes, and voices, as well as discussing RPG horror stories, how to prevent them, and why they are just so popular. With all that being said, sit back and relax. You're listening to Roll for Insight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Roll for Insight. Uh, Kunik, thank you so, so much for coming onto the show. How has your day been? Uh, it's pretty busy uh, with my day job, but it's been pretty nice. I had a, released a video today, had a lot of feedback, uh, had a, lo- a lot of fun chatting with people uh, in the uh, premiere of it. Uh, pretty standard Thursday, pretty, uh, pretty stoked about it. So you create RPG horror story videos on a weekly basis. You publish on Thursdays, right? I publish whenever I can get them done. Usually, usually my work takes up time earlier in the week. Otherwise, I'd probably be releasing on Mondays or Tuesdays. So my release schedule is Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, whenever I'm able to get to it. Awesome. So when you're looking through RPG horror stories and you're seeing all of these different that guys you know you got the min maxers you've got the the spotlight hogs you've got people who just generally bully other players like obviously there's variable levels of bad when you think of your personal D pet peeves however like what's the first thing that comes to mind not necessarily a horror story level but just like a small things that make you go oh why'd you do that um Honestly, my pet peeve comes with character creation more than anything. Uh, it is the the trope of a tragic backstory. It like almost every game I've gone into, someone is everyone has actually had like a tragic backstory of some sort. And I'm like, okay, guys, we can only get so doom and gloom. We need some like happy go lucky people in the in the group, or someone who has or, or you know puts it on their on the, flips it on their side. So, um, personal pet peeve, it's it's definitely uh, that. If we're talking about the board, though, and, like, actually playing, um, probably the people that, like, can't figure out which dice they want to use, like, the people that just have way too many dice, and they're, like, sifting through their bag, and they take forever to get to the right ones. Um, those, like, that kind of irks me just because it wastes a little bit of time, but I get it. I mean, we all have dice bags. We all have, like, hundreds of dice, so comes with the territory, but sometimes, you know, people are just, like, really indecisive with uh, with the die they want to use. One thing with that tragic backstories bit that you mentioned earlier was that when you're creating a tragic backstory, I mean, you need to be ready to role play it out in game, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, they, they write that they had a tragic backstory for the sake of having a tragic backstory, but their characters, you know, actions in, in the role play segments don't really come across that or come across as that. So they, you know, they play the happy go lucky character. Oh, by the way, my, my parents were murdered horribly, you know, in front of me, you know, their throats were slit as a kid. It traumatized me, but they're like, you know, all jumping around being super friendly with people and not, you know, it doesn't actually affect their personality. So uh, that's probably the biggest issue with it is just no one role plays exactly what that means. And if they did, no one like most people wouldn't have a tragic backstory because then you just be like everyone would be just, you know, goth and emo in a party and it, it just would not be a fun time. Exactly Right. Absolutely. And did you see that video? Like your backstories do not need to be tragic. It like came out a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I did see that. It was so and that's, good. that's it, it probably that's why it's like on the top of my mind right now too, as a pet peeve, 
because it, it really got me thinking and i'm like yeah every single every single campaign i've ever been in or or one shot there's been at least like one person with a tragic backstory if not like half the table or more and that bit that she said at the beginning like oh you don't need to make a tragic backstory like what if your character becomes traumatized during the actual game and it kind of gets into that whole thing of you know backstory length that we talk about sometimes with players players make these bloated backstories they don't leave room for stuff to happen in the game yeah and yeah precisely and, and it's like i i'm actually making a character right now for a pathfinder game um uh, foxy bard invi invited me to it so we're, we're going to be doing a pathfinder game together and i decided i was going to take the tragic backstory trope and kind of flip it so my character for that story is abducted from his homeland as a child um and sort of taken to to this new land but his his family was like lower tier within the class society that he came from so they were really poor no one liked him or anything like that and now he's in the story he's being brought up as a butler for someone who's really rich so he's like super well off now has a lot of food a lot of money can do pretty much whatever he wants within like being a butler for a royalty and is you know like i don't want to go back to that old life that old life sucked yeah i got kidnapped that sucks but my life right now is fantastic so i'm trying to like it, it, i wrote it in a way that it is a tragic backstory but like my character doesn't care he's like he's really happy that his, his his new life is so much better than what it would have been at the old place what is your process when you're creating character backstories because for a lot of new D, D players who haven't been really invested in writing fiction that is a big roadblock like coming up with your own story is fun in theory for a lot of people but once you actually get to typing it down or writing it down it's really hard so like what's your number one not number one but what's your process for coming up with a character backstory for me it is try and probe the mind of the dungeon master or game master as much as you can. So, um, you know, if they provide a synopsis of what the world is like, what the state of things are like, if it's high magic, low magic, no magic in some instances, um, you know, I try to get the, the full grasp of the lands. Um, if they can provide a world map, which is what happened in, in the Pathfinder game is I had a, a world map of, of the playable area. Um, you know, I, I try to weave, the, you know, locations from that into my story but I just try to say, you know, what's the current political environment that we've had? Maybe if we had a session zero without character creations being done, just to, you know, to, to fluff up the environment to give us, you know, some creative ideas. But I try to see whatever the world the DM wants to craft, what's going to fit well within that world and play to the rule set of that world. Um, and every DM always does something a little different unless you're doing a one shot. So it's or like a, a, a pre-written campaign or, or session from a module. Uh, yeah, module. Um, uh, sorry, I come from, I come from Edge of the Empire background, not D and D, so it's a little bit totally different. Totally get there. it. Totally get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, unless it's something like that, you know, I, I try to just work with the DM and get someone that's going to fit within their world. Their world, but is also going to tell the story that I hope that it will tell. Uh, I don't want to just create some cookie cutter adventure. I want someone that's got some uh, mythos and, and um, uniqueness to their backstory. Right, and. When you are developing like that central idea for a character, like a personality or like a general theme. Honestly, I just let the dice roll in this instance for, for our, our dice goblins uh, one shot that we're working on. And I got, you know, Crunk Bunnington, the community, you know, voted the whole way. So it was fe effectively like rolling a dice because they everyone got to vote on what stats they wanted Crunk to have. And it turns out he's got a nine in intelligence and an eight in wisdom. So I I played with that and I said. 
okay, he's he's completely stupid, but he's got everyone in chat was hyping him up as a Sherlock Holmes esque character. So my my personality for him is I've actually been going through all of these um, Sherlock Holmes quotes, and I've been taking uh, I've been like playing with them and messing with them, and making them one hundred percent wrong. And the idea behind that is I'm trying to build up a character for him, and I don't want to spoil it here because Dice Goblins the one shot has not happened yet, so I'm not going to spoil it, you know, with what we're doing. But that's that's how I played with it. And then in, in traditional D&D, I roll the die and I see what my stats are. And if it's terrible, I'm not going to complain. I'll roll with it and roll that into my backstory in some ways. So like if I have super low charisma, I, I play that in. OK, my character's not very confident. And I just take what are, where do, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses as the dice rolled? And that's what I go with. Um, I know some people, you know, want to create something outside of that, but I think it's it's fun in that regard because a lot of combinations from the dice rolls that that I get, I would have never actually done. I would have never thought up. So it lets me cr- be a bit more creative than I, than I normally would be. Yeah, it's a good way to sort of get that central base so that you can come up with the idea for your character and then develop the backstory yeah. and the look and the personality. From there. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of, um, when you're thinking of character personalities, I mean, how do you develop like their flaws, their uh, their their bonds, uh, their ideals, stuff like that? How do you start to develop like who they are? Is that also based on like random dice roll, or is, do you have a process for figuring out like a central bond or ideal or flaw? Yeah, um, it it can be. Uh, again, going back to Crunk, just because he's the most recent guy I've made. You know, I, I said, you know, he's really stupid, but he yeah. thinks he's really smart. That was kind of the, the, the way I went into it. Um, and so my, my logic for him is that um, he's going to go with like the most obvious, you know, idiot route of anything. So like if we were like if someone was like, yeah, someone broke into my house, uh, don't they didn't steal anything. They just sort of broke in and, you know, rough, you know, ruffled through things. Uh, my character is going to be like, well, there's no evidence of anyone stealing anything. I think it was you that did it. The person who just got the, you know, their house broken into. So that's that's kind of the character I went with for him, um, just just based on effectively the dice rolls in that instance. But in in place of like what I did, what I'm doing in the Pathfinder campaign, I try to I try to get really political with his uh, with that backstory. So I said, okay, well, what if if, if a really rich person was raising a particular child? to be their eyes and ears in political negotiation and also to be like their brute force, like their bouncer. You know, I I use my backstory in that regards. Well, how would that shape a character's personality? And now it's in in that instance, in that instance, you know, we've got someone who's uh, very self self contained. He does not want to reveal anything because he's used to keeping secrets. And, but he's also, um, He's also good at, at subterfuge and getting into places that he's not supposed to because in, in the story that I'm crafting for him in the Pathfinder game, he was used more as he's a, he's a whisper elf. So he's really good at listening and eavesdropping. So his goal was to get into places and uh, listen on political opposition to find dirt on them. So that's I built his entire character around. OK, he's really self-contained, very good at keeping secrets and he's very, very good at just sort of sneaking around and being places where he's not supposed to. Um, and and that right there drove the character. Okay, he's a little bit of a loner character, but he's got very high charisma. It's like 18. So he's also very good at like not playing the part. He doesn't come off that way. So he's coming off kind of like a total Chad in, 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 in conversations. But 
um, in the background, he's got sort of this duality going on there. So that's that's kind of how I uh, how I approach this character uh, progression for for both of those two situations. So to wrap up this discussion of of create character creation, um, what is the thing that you always look forward to when you're making a new character? Like people make tons and tons of side characters. You know, we you, if you've seen that skit with all the alternate yeah. character sheets and killing yeah. off all the characters. <laughs> everyone, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people like doing that. It's a stereotype for a reason. And the reason that that happens is because people love making characters. So for you, what is your favorite part of character creation? Coming up with the look, coming up with the personality? Probably not so much the look. Um, if I had to guess the personality, that's definitely the most creative aspect to it. And, and sort of the process of getting there that I, I pretty much just outlined. I think... If I had to pick one thing, though, and I'm terrible at this, I'm, I've been trying to get better at it for both my videos and in playing, but uh, the voice, you know, figuring out what what uh, uniqueness he's going to have for the voice. Is it going to be like a really like a really high pitched and maybe you know, he's a little he's a little unsure about how he's going to be doing things or is it really deep and uh, very basic that I can kind of already do naturally? Does he have any you know ticks to his voice? Does he does he um uh, when he has a question, he's like, okay, I, I want to ask you something question. Does he end the phrase with the word question as a weird, you know, personal, you know, trait to his voice? So I, I have a lot of fun trying to come up with that. Again, I suck at it, but I'm trying to work at it and get better. And for me, uh, the going, I, I've done a lot of one shots this past year and just going into every single one of those with a unique voice just to try to get better at it and also have fun with it, play with the, the, the words a little bit, uh, you know, just doing something outside of my norm. So that's most likely what I look forward to the most. Now, let's talk about... Back to RPG Horror Stories. When you are making your videos, again, like, we both cover a lot of different horror stories, but often uh, we see a lot of stories that don't end so well, like the, char the, the character, the group, the group breaks up or like the DM has to leave or the campaign ends on a dud, stuff like that. Do you have any advice for people who want to handle problem players in their game? Like you have a min-maxer, you have a, um, a spotlight hog, and you as, a, as maybe not the DM, just a normal player... Are, are, are sitting in, at the table having to deal with this, like, what is your advice to that person to handle this problem? Oh, hell yes. I'm glad you asked this. Um, I don't know if you need to censor that or not. I don't know. The, I don't. The... <laughs> that, does, that doesn't get me demonetized, right? Right? I don't think it does. <laughs> um, I, I am like a broken record. And, and people have actually pointed this out because I mentioned it all of the time in like every single video. Talk to your players no one to like in most of these stories the reason why like the dm leaves or the party breaks up or there's a fight or anything it's because no one talks to each other um it, you know if you have someone that's min maxing and you don't want them to do that as the dm pull them aside after the after the whole thing um and say hey look i kind of see what you're doing here do you mind not doing that because it's ruining the experience for others um you know in the case of a min maxer they're probably taking away the spotlight from other players or if you have a player that's just, you know, very aggressive and yells at other players and tries to take the spotlight that way, talk with them. If they don't want to if they don't want to change their attitude, kick them like, you know, don't don't create more stress for the rest of the table than there needs to be. So, yeah. Yeah. All it talk, takes is one talk. guy. All it takes is one guy to stand up and like 
gather the rest of them uh, and and figure out the problem. Yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're human beings, you know, even think about it this way. Even couples need to go to relationship therapy, even if they're a really good couple, like my dad and his his wife, they go to therapy all the time because, you know, people need a mutual third party to discuss things. Um, it, it's it's a natural thing. So, uh, you know, letting things sort of simmer in the background is just a recipe for disaster. It'll, it, it could be the most minor of minor things. And if you let it simmer and eat away at you for months and months and months, you, you're going to blow up or someone's going to blow up and it's going to become a problem. So no matter how small, if you're having an issue with something or someone at your table is having an issue with something or, you know, there's a definite thing in the air that makes you feel like, okay, something's about to happen that's bad for the group. Talk. Simple as that. You don't have to necessarily talk with people at the table. Bring it up to a mutual third party first. Talk with them, get their thoughts, and then go to the DM or go to whoever. So, yeah. <laughs> I am curious because a lot of people have a lot of different answers to this question, but why do you think RPG horror stories are so popular? Like, why do people love reading these? Is it just the drama? Is it some other reason? Like, why do you think they're so popular? I'm curious what your thought is on that. I think it's all drama. Um, drama. I, I've done I've done RPG glory stories before. I've done, um, in general, like just meta discussions of, of D&D stuff. None of them do well in terms of analytics. It has to be... It has to be a horror story for it to do well in, in, for analytics. Um, and I don't know if that's just, I mean, from my own perspective, you, you know, YouTube is pushing me as a horror story channel or what. But uh, even if you go and look at some of the really popular ones, like we're, I forget his name. There's a really good narrator who's got around 30 to 40,000 subscribers. And I forget his name. He does not do horror stories, though. He only covers um, campaign stories and glory stories. Fantastic. Easily, probably number one or number two best narrators in this whole D&D space. But because he's not talking about like hot drama topics, his videos get like maybe a thousand views. Mm. Not not very big. And I, again, I forget his name. I think I'm subscribed to him so someone can sift through my subscriber list and find him that way. Um, but people, people create drama. Like think about like why I hate TMZ, but it exists and people like viewing news from there. So it's, People crave drama, so I I, I think it's got to be that. If you don't mind, I'll share. So my dad's thought on this because he was he's been keeping up with my stuff. But my dad's thought on this is is similar to yours. But he says like, all right, Christian. Basically, the way I see it is that your videos or the the people who make these videos, it's kind of like group marriage therapy. <laughs> Like, no one goes to group marriage therapy to sort out their own problems. They go to group marriage therapy to see other people's problems and think about, oh, their problems are so much worse than mine. Mine aren't that mm -hmm. big of a deal. So yeah. that's that's his thought on why they're so popular. That's, that's, that's definitely an element to it, yeah. That's definitely why I watch them. Like, when I was DMing first, like, the video that I had become for some reason obsessed with was Crit Crab's Airship Story. I watched that every couple days um, like while I was playing a video game. It was just in the background. And I always was thinking, and the, the reason I, I liked it so much was, be, uh, was because he was talking about like a story that was so ridiculously bad that anything that went wrong in my first Curse of Stride campaign, I just realized like, yeah, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, and I've gotten a lot of comments about people using it as a means to assess how they're DMing you know, or learn from uh, the mistakes of others and, and not do that in their own campaigns. Um, so I definitely have seen it as, as a big learning tool. But 
I think what initially gets people to click on the video is that drama. Oh yeah. And then, and then everything else is secondary to that. So when you're talking about like self-assessment as a DM, like when you're trying to figure out if you yourself are an RPG horror story or self-assessment as a player, what do you think is a valuable tool for doing that? Because RPG horror stories are one way to do it, but usually they're just extreme entertainment, right? Like, how do you think a DM or a player should assess their own gameplay? If you're, if you have the ability, if you're not a psychopath, right, we'll start there. If you have the ability to empathize with people and you can, when you're doing something that could be construed as a that guy or a problem player, you can usually assess at the table. If it's in person, you can usually assess assess at the table everyone else's thoughts and get their ideas based on facial expressions. So if you're doing something that they're not cool with, they're probably going to be giving you like a side eye or, you know, looking at you kind of like suspiciously, like they're not happy with what you're doing. So that I think if you're playing in person is what you can do. Um, If you are playing in discord or like roll 20, I mean, the only thing I've been able to come up with for that is just, you know, ping the the DM or if you're the DM, you know, ping a few players and, say you know is what i'm doing coming across wrong because it's really difficult to see without facial expressions but that that would be my my suggestion there is look see how everyone else is reacting to you at a table um because that's ultimately going to be the best way to figure out if you're being a that guy like i think i did it that i think i did it once in my my career at playing um and i was able to pick up pretty quickly that i'm like oh wait no one's jiving with what i want to do okay i'll i'll back off and then, like, obviously, you know, I know, I know you said not to um, use our videos or, or the stories as an example, but uh, if you see yourself doing as anything that any of the other players in these stories has done, and you see a little bit of that in yourself, maybe, you know, do some self-retrospective at that point. But, yeah, I don't know if there's any other, I think there's, there's a Reddit, there's a subreddit for, like, D&D help, and, and I don't know the name of it, but I know you could probably, if I, I know it exists. And you can post there and get everyone else's thoughts, you know, kind of like an, um, am I the, uh, I'm not going to curse, but am I the butthole? You know, that subreddit, there's kind of like a variant to that for, uh, you can say asshole. It doesn't get me demonetized. (laughs) Cool. So there's the whole, am I the asshole subreddit, but there's also one just like that for D and D and you can, uh, post there and get everyone else's thoughts. Um, but as far as like preemptively stopping it, I don't think, I don't, I mean, there's, I think everyone's going to be, um, potentially a that guy or something like that by accident it's just going to happen so you just got to be able to read the room i guess yeah read the room and also like you know i i try to ask like my players every session what did you guys think yeah <laughs> yeah i think that that's also a very valuable thing though uh on that note i mean what do you what do you have as advice for uh dms and players who are a little bit paranoid like uh, one player doesn't show up to a DM's game and the DM thinks, oh, that player must hate my game. Or a couple people, uh, you know, are on their phone because they need to text their mom to pick them up. Then the DM's thinking, oh, my God, they're so bored. Like, you know, that happens all the time. A lot of DM's and, and players, too, can can feel really insecure sometimes with how they're performing in D&D. Like, what's your advice to that? Because that's the opposite side of the spectrum where you're being way too self-critical. Honestly, just give it a few times, you know, if they did it once or twice, that's not a problem. If they keep on doing it through multiple sessions or maybe even campaigns, um, maybe talk with them about it at that point. 
figure out, you know, why they're, why they're pulling out their phone so much. Um, and if they, you know, say, well, I'm just talking with my mom to come pick me up or something like that. No problem. Like, you know, at that point, if it's really eating away, at you talk with them about it. Um, going back to the points we, we discussed a few minutes ago. Um, but yeah, I would say if it's like a one-time thing and they're just, you know, they didn't, they couldn't show up for some reason. Don't let that affect you at all. If they do that a second time and then a third time in a row, okay, maybe talk with them about it and see what's happening. But, uh, yeah, if it's like the first time it's ever happened, I wouldn't, I wouldn't concern yourself with it. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much. If you want to see more episodes of the show, as well as my other series, then please do subscribe to Crispy's Tavern. And finally, if you want to leave your own thoughts, go down to the comments down below. In essence, like, comment, subscribe. We will both see you all next time. Farewell.